Hello, everyone. Welcome to this special edition of the Belmont Journal, Belmont's own local program for hyperlocal news and community affairs programming. I'm your host, Roger Colton. Journalism is often seen today as contributing to social fragmentation to the extent that it fails to reflect lived experiences. The Local Voices Network is designed to address that problem and LVN is coming to Belmont. I have with me today Deb Roy, who is an MIT professor and co-founder of Cortico, co-founder and chairman of Cortico, which is the creator of the Local Voices Network. Thanks for coming today. My pleasure. Can you uh, start at the, the beginning? What is the, uh, the notion uh, or the theory behind the Local Voices Network? You know, the idea is really to create a new space, a new option for ordinary people to um, be part of a public conversation, um, really with the goal of uh, being able to um, improve our understanding across um, cultural and political boundaries. Um, there is no doubt we're feeling more and more like a fragmented country. Um, and just based on prior work we've done, with social media and also looking at what's happening in talk radio and across the media landscape, it just feels like there's very few options where uh, you can go and join a conversation and have meaningful exchanges with people that you don't already know. And so it really began with thinking about, can we create a new space, a new possibility? And it seems that I've heard you talk before about polarization and how polarization is actually a good business model in uh, the, the for-profit world, if, if you will, and you're yeah. designed to, to try to uh, counter that. Yeah, that's right, and I would say even more than polarization, just fragmentation, where you have groups who just no longer have a way to have exposure, let alone meaningful communication across boundaries, across tribal boundaries, if you will. And, um, and it is the case that um, when you have uh, what we call the loudest voices, the extremists that have very strong points of view on whatever the issue might be, that often tend to polarize the conversation, those voices, those perspectives, they tend to sell best. Uh, whether it's because uh, it's a view that uh, resonates with yours, you're more likely to tune in, or it makes you angry. You know, rage also sells. And um, when I look at the general patterns across the media landscape, social media and mainstream media, I think it's reasonable to say polarization is a great business model. And it's being fueled, and it's fueling the political environment as well. And most of us are, I feel, kind of exhausted. Um, and we don't see our views represented in those extreme points of view. Um, and often the agenda um, primarily being set, uh, let's say, in the national media, doesn't even relate directly to uh, hopes and concerns that most of us have in our everyday lives. So there's also just this disconnect of what all the rage and all the polarized conversation is about. So this idea of is there a way we can reclaim the conversation and bring it back to things that matter to us was really what we were aiming for. And when we think about people talking about their, their actual experiences, their lived experiences, it really, let, let's focus on this piece of equipment. It, mm -hmm. it really revolves around a type of technology that uh, 
that Cortico has developed, right? Yeah, I think um, technology is a key part of what we're doing, and it's really, we're trying to keep a balance between technology and thinking about um, human interaction, human dynamics uh, of, a, of a kind that comes naturally to us if we're given the right uh, scaffolding, the right opportunities. And so um, what we have sitting here is what we call this the digital hearth. Uh, okay. it, is, it is a piece of technology um, that can both uh, record, capture conversations so that they can be shared with other people beyond uh, those who gather around the hearth. Um, so it can record and it can also play back um, audio. And um, by design, um, as opposed to really, if you think about communication technologies and you go back through the history of communication technologies, of course, social media and the internet, but also telephones, television, radio, telegraph, they all share something in common, which is they're designed to make it easier to communicate when we are apart a part in space and a part in time. So we did something a little unusual with the hearth. We said, you know, can we take lessons from furniture makers and architecture um, and create a kind of communication technology that's actually an invitation to gather in person uh, physically? Because when we gather, as, as we, you and I right now are sitting within what you might call nose-biting distance, <laughs> there's all sorts of both possibilities, positive, and also risks. Um, physical uh, of course of being in a space together that um, have you know we've evolved certain certain behavior certain habits certain ways of being when we're in person uh, that disappear when we're apart and so the hearth was really thinking about bringing technology back uh, in into uh, the context where we're with one another in person a uh, an interview that uh, let's listen to now uh, that talks about the technology that goes into the hearth. I'm Sam, uh, Sam Wolf. I work for the Cortico team. And for the last couple of months, I've been working on our hardware here, our beautiful hearths, and sort of making sure that we have all of the units up and ready to go into the world, and starting to think about what we love about our current version and what should go into the next version. The design of the hearth sort of fits into two categories, both the internal technology as well as the external design. And we paid key attention to actually designing the hearth to capture a lot of the things we try to encourage in our conversations. And basically, a couple key things that I like about the hearth is one is we, the materials we're trying to use is sort of these wood, this cherry wood material. And this is uh, the kind of material that's been in people's homes for hundreds of years. And so it's something that's familiar. And second to that is actually this circular cylindrical shape. It allows the hearth to sit in the middle of a table and have people approach it from all different sides. And so these two things coupled with under the hearth, we actually have a lit interface that lets everyone know exactly when the hearth is recording and when it's not recording through this sort of warmth and light at the bottom. And I think this is a very important feature because people understand, okay, this part of our conversation is being recorded and this part is just private and for ourselves. The problem of trying to figure out who is talking at any one moment in a conversation is an interesting and difficult problem that we try to solve in three different ways. One is this angle of which direction is the speaker coming from. But if we combine that with looking at speakers' voices, and we can sort of separate the voices that way. So that's a secondary way of looking at it. 
And the third is once we have the text of the conversation, there's natural breaks in between when people talk. As we've developed the hearth, it's been interesting to focus on sort of the core technologies we've been using, which is this interesting cross-section of how do we build custom technologies specific for the hearth, as well as relying on a lot of the off-the-shelf components. And so the brain of the whole system, we've been relying on a great platform, which is the Raspberry Pi which sort of provides us an easy, internet-connected, open-source hardware platform that allows us to do anything we want. But that being said, we sort of found very quickly that for the audio recording side of things, off-the-shelf components were fairly limiting, which was how do you create a microphone array in order to grab sound from eight different sources, as well as focusing on high-quality recording. And so it seemed like there were high quality audio recorders that didn't have eight microphones and there were eight microphone arrays that didn't allow for high quality recording. And so this interesting niche that we found ourselves in sort of pushed us in the direction of creating our own circuit board. I've had a lot of fun working on the hearth for these last couple months. Um, first off, I've been very interested in this cross section between technology and beauty. And I also like that this is a technology that while it has a fair number of bells and whistles and interesting features, the goal of it is sort of to disappear into a space. And I appreciate any technology that when you need something from it, you can look at and engage and in a couple seconds get the information you need, but it's never the focus of the room. It's sort of its goal is to passively leave people's minds and so that it can encourage the very human behavior around the hearth. And trying to visualize uh, this, there will be a group of people having what's called a facilitated conversation that is then recorded by the hearth. Can you explain the facilitated conversation? Yeah, so the, the, the heart of the project is to create um, spaces for small groups to gather. And we started then thinking about the conversation as itself something that can be designed and structured so that depending on the structure of a conversation, very different kinds of conversations will happen, very different experiences um, will be had by the participants. And so the idea was to create um, a small group conversation with a facilitator, someone who we call the LVN host, that creates a space and sets the basic format of the conversation. I'll explain what that is in a minute. Um, and uh, and those conversations happen around the hearth so that all of the participants' speech can be recorded um, and then uh, processed through a, a kind of human-machine collaborative process uh, in order to then create links across these conversations. Um, so one of the things we're really trying to do is create a space where we can uh, uh, surface uh, personal stories about public or shared hopes and concerns. Right? Okay. And um, do you have, uh, is it possible to listen to a Yeah, so one? let me, uh, absolutely, let's, let's listen um, okay. to a couple of examples. And uh, let me say one more thing, which is uh, this concept of cross-pollination. So one of the key things that the technology, there's sort of two roles for the technology. One is to create bridges across these conversations, so you end up with a, uh, what we call a conversation network. So if there's another small group, say a, a group, uh, comes together at the Belmont Public Library and has an LVN conversation. 
might last for an hour and a half. Okay, um, and then two weeks later, in Dorchester, a group convenes and has a conversation. One of our interests was to be able to lift excerpts from, say, the Belmont conversation, and in the appropriate way, allow the group in Dorchester to listen to a voice from Belmont and respond. And maybe their response then hops over to a conversation in Cambridge and so forth. So that's one role of the technology. In fact, it's, it's kind of like an onion, right? You have layers of the onion. So the innermost uh, kind of conversation is that small group. Um, and you know, if you were to participate in an Albion conversation, you'd probably have an experience somewhat different than most of the conversations you're have, having day to day. And we're finding uh, several hundred people now have had an Albion conversation. The feedback is really positive that that is a kind of conversation I'd like to have more of and that I, I really haven't had an opportunity to have. Starts there. Um, then there is a, a kind of larger conversation as you connect across. And right. we think there's something potentially magical about hearing that voice. Um, from someplace from else. So, from somewhere else, but somewhere nearby. Because oh, okay. it's one thing to see the person passing on a, a street. It's another to hear, hear them tell a, a personal story. story about something that they're concerned about that may be a concern of yours as well. Yes. And, and that becomes the, the building blocks, we hope, for uh, constructing a better shared understanding, first and foremost, of spaces and places that we share. But then absolutely, as you start zooming out, if you have what we call LVN chapters in multiple parts of the country, um, what if there were commonalities and connections that started emerging across those? And of course, you know, if there is some common elements of the human condition, uh, we would expect we will start seeing those patterns and those connections, and that is already starting to happen. So back to, you wanted to hear an example. Yeah, okay. yeah. So uh, um, let me set this up a little bit. Okay. We started our, uh, one of our key collaborators in this effort um, is Kathy Kramer. Uh, she's a political From scientist. She's, she lives in Madison. Okay. She's a political scientist um, and uh, has spent her career developing um, uh, methods of what I would call describe as deep listening um, and so she started working with us and was really shaped uh, this overall project and um, because she lives in Madison that was a logical place to start our pilot work with LVM. Okay. In Madison um, we over the spring have had several dozen conversations now that have involved uh, a few hundred people and so I'm gonna um, play for you um, uh, a, first of all, uh, a short highlight, about a minute, where we're going to listen to a, um, a public school teacher. Um, he's uh, white. Um, he's talking about a, an issue that has become uh, very talked about in, in the community of Madison, the interaction between police and children of color in the schools. Okay. Um, and so you'll hear his perspective on this. And then we will. I'll take you to another conversation where someone listened to and responded to, to that uh, okay. story. Okay. Yeah. So um, the way this works, by the way, the hearth is, is currently recording. Um, we see an orange glow. We call it like the hearthy orange. Okay. Um, while recording, um, I can press a button here that says highlights, and when I press, um, and, and I can choose a highlight 
from a previous conversation, and we can talk later about how that process works. I do works. want to come back to sorting sure. and searching. Okay. Um, so why don't we listen to uh, this clip from this public school teacher? So, yeah, I mean, my experiences with officers in the schools is that um, they do everything they can not to arrest kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're extremely kind and very, very, uh, very positive role models for kids in the schools. Um, you know, the schools I've worked in, um, some of the resource officers are people of color and um, they're working with students of color and they're able to see a police officer in a responsible role, being good with kids, being supportive. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, I, I know that there's privacy issues and things, but I, you see these groups of people who like walk through schools like once a year or twice a year, and then they mm -hmm. like kind of poke their noses into places here and there, and then they think they can develop an opinion about something, and and, uh, and they couldn't be less informed. Um, so I, I don't, you know, I don't know how to address that um, really. Uh, you know, we've got a big election coming up with, you know, the school council, and we got a big election coming up with the mayor, um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, some of these disparities um, can be addressed in really, really progressive yeah. and well thought out and well funded ways. Um, so this uh, highlight was selected by an LVN host who hosted a conversation a couple of weeks later in a different part of Madison. Um, and uh, that host, Jim Lerman, works with um, uh, people who have been previously incarcerated and kind of reintegrate into, uh, into life in Madison. So he hosted a conversation with a small group of African-American men and um, decided roughly, you know, somewhere halfway through that conversation, um, he said, okay, now I would like to bring in uh, a voice of a, a school teacher, uh, since we're, you know, on this topic. And I'd like you to just imagine he's here in the room with us. Hear him out, listen, listen, and then if you have any reactions or responses, feel free to share. So, so just to make clear, uh, we have a group of people sitting around a hearth, mm -hmm. and this is bringing in a voice not in the room. Correct. To the, to the group, to add their the lived experience, I, I like that term, by mm -hmm. the way, of uh, the other individual to the lived experiences That's uh, right. of the people in the room. Yeah. Okay. And this is very much a moment for what we consider a, a boundary crossing yes. um, conversation. Now, it's not literally everyone in the room together, um, but one of the interesting things is they're both from Madison. Yes. And so if they took interest in one another or one took interest in the other, it's actually logistically possible to have a follow-up conversation where they do come together. So it's kind of a, an on-ramp to a conversation that otherwise, uh, frankly, is not happening, not only in Madison, but elsewhere. Um, uh -huh. Madison is a very racially segregated city, right. as is Boston, as are most cities in America. And so, so, um, so that's right. The, and I interrupted your story. So the, the host of this, uh, the second conversation that happened a couple of weeks ago, um, once they're well into the conversation amongst themselves, at some point um, uh, suggested he bring in this voice from a previous conversation. He then played the clip we just listened to, 
And then interestingly, um, it wasn't immediately after listening to that, but about 10 minutes after that clip was heard, that one of the participants refers back. So in a moment, we're going to sort of drop into a portion, about a minute and a half, of this, uh, this person's um, uh, reaction. It'll begin by him saying, and I was listening to that guy. And when he says that guy, he's talking about the voice we just heard. Okay, okay. so why don't we uh, now listen. Listen in again. I was listening to the guy and I actually was listening to um, his voice um, and I totally can hear some of the things he was saying but I just can't see how that is effective. Um, and the last thing I will share, uh, I remember to this day like it was yesterday, I remember I was going through a teenager temper tantrum um, and I was just being, I mean, I was just out of control, totally. And this is while I was in the institution, but I was a juvenile, and I remember um, a guy by the name of Bruce, um, he grabbed me, because I was just out of control. He just grabbed me, put his arms around me, and just held me, and I was trying to get away and all of those things, he just didn't let me go. He didn't allow me to hit him or none of the above. Ultimately, I tired myself out and I just cried. But he didn't hurt me. He didn't disrespect me. He didn't belittle me. He allowed me to calm down and then he started to talk to me. And I say that because in my, to this day, that was an act of love. Um, and it was not an act of um, disrespect or, and so, I think when it comes from the family and from the community, it's a better perspective versus as it coming from um, the police because police gonna do just that. They gonna police. So I I like this example, and by the way, we've had many exchanges of this kind now uh, in in the pilot work in Madison, and we're starting to see in the Bronx. Um, we think this is a really powerful kind of exchange. Um, where if you notice in this this example it wasn't a debate it wasn't a, it wasn't uh, a, a hitting back at the other person uh, on, on their point of view but instead saying look there's this complex issue in this case how do we how do police interact with kids of color and you just have these two very different perspectives yes. that are grounded out in two yes. very different lived experiences but they're actually about a shared concern and what I would like to do now is we had an opportunity to speak with another member of your staff about how this doesn't just happen, that the conversations are really structured to mm -hmm. allow it to happen. Yeah. So uh, let's take a look at, uh, at that conversation that we had. Welcome to this conversation of the Local Voices Network, also known as LBN. There are three main purposes of this conversation. First, we want to create a new space for community members to listen and learn about each other's experiences. We want to also connect across groups to build our relationships with one another. And third, we want to create a unique listening channel through which we can lift up the voices of, and needs of the community to candidates, local policymakers, and members of the media. I'm Parisa Parsa. I'm the Boston chapter manager for the Local Voices Network. 
I first was brought into LVN at the stage uh, at a previous job where um, I was working in a dialogue organization and we consulted with Cortico on building the dialogue process for, um, for the conversations that now are part of LVN. So the conversation will be recorded and transcribed and added to a growing collection of similar conversations. And we'll be making those recordings available, as you know, to journalists, public officials, researchers, and other participants and partners in the project with the goal of eventually making them available to the general public. We structured the conversations with the idea in mind, first and foremost, to get people out of the usual conversations that are issues-based and hold them to their positions, uh, and instead to get them engaged around talking about their values that bring them to the conversation, that make them want to talk about what's important in their community, and the stories that really animate and give dimension to those perspectives so that they can start to relate with each other in more complex ways than just a pro or con on a single issue will allow. So we begin the conversation with um, asking folks to name the values that bring them to the conversation, right? So there's a first go around that says name a value that's really important to you and informs why you showed up today. Um, and then the next question in terms of getting to know folks is an opportunity for folks to share a story from their experience that will help others understand where they're coming from and what they're about. So it's story-based and experiential and invites a kind of way to get to know each other really quickly at a pretty deep level. So first we'll start with a quick round of introductions. Please share just your first name and some background information about who you are, like your age, what you do for a living, where you live, Anything else you think is important for people listening to this conversation to understand about your background? The first part of the conversation is really structured in a go-around, and it gets a little looser as it goes. And then the final uh, question is, um, what would you most like to have shared from this conversation? What would you most like to have others know about your community that you think isn't heard or understood right now? Um, so we offer an opportunity for that going deep and then an opportunity for really reflecting on what is it that most needs to be heard. And we hope that people will be drawn to these conversations for an alternative to um, engaging with each other in the ways that we believe democracy was intended to engage people, um, which is at that deep level, at that very personal level, and then connecting it to across conversations and across communities to a national level. To choose the topics that are translated across, or cross-pollinated, we call it, across conversations, the hosts are invited to look through highlights of previous conversations that have happened in the same area, or perhaps as we're starting a chapter and there might not be a lot of conversations from one area, uh, from another area, um, and preloading those, getting those ready, and then choosing in real time where to intersect it in the conversation. So for example, if, if, if it's truly an open-ended conversation and there's not sort of an inkling going in about what direction it might go, a host might choose uh, a highlight that has to do with housing and one that has to do with healthcare and one that has to do with racial justice and um, have those at the ready depending on which way the conversation goes. If the, ho if the host is pretty c confident 
that this particular group of people is going to go right into conversations about education. They might choose a series of highlights about education and then make the decision. The thing that is most exciting to me about LVN is that it is really that opportunity to connect our very personal local lives to a story and to a shaping of a nation that is really critical and important and something that is challenging to figure out the scale of. I think we're swimming in this sea of a lot of information and bumping up against a lot of people and trying to navigate all of the differences that we have and still find those points of connection. And I feel like LVN just offers this very concrete way to have a little taste of that experience of going deep with neighbors, whether you know each other already or not, and then to be able to link those stories to create a new national fabric of stories that can tell a truer, um, give a truer narrative for what we're about in the United States with all of our differences, but what does bring us together. Okay, uh, I want to come back to a, uh, a different topic. I actually jotted it down because it, uh, Mm -hmm. It struck a chord, but it seems like there might be privacy concerns. Uh, let me not uh, say the concern. Mm -hmm. Are there privacy concerns? Uh, it's a question. Yes. Uh, uh, there's definitely privacy concerns that we've been working through, and um, you know the the idea here is to create um, a public conversation network, um, and so it's it's worth um, first of all just recognizing that there are many kinds of conversations that I think um, we need to be having uh, at, and that are valuable to have, some of which are just meant to be private and what happens in the room should stay in the room. And there yes. are other kind of conversations where um, if they are shared and heard more broadly, it brings more value both to the participants of that conversation and those that then have exposure to it. And so there's, there's a continuum from private to public uh, conversations. We're very focused on um, creating a new space for public conversations and making sure that the participants, the hosts, everyone involved appreciates that um, and in very plain language um, to make sure everyone knows that the conversation they're having around a hearth uh, could be shared broadly, yes. right? Is a critical part of the uh, the project. Um, and and let's uh, let's move to that there, because the way this all works mm -hmm. is if you have the ability to store the conversations and search the conversations and access mm -hmm. the, the conversations. Uh, can you explain that that search process? Absolutely. Can I can I say one more thing about privacy? Sure. Okay. Which is I think uh, there's, there's other complexities beyond privacy. So okay. um, one concern that we have and that we have been very focused on is, um, in particular because we're interested in surfacing underheard voices, underheard perspectives, rather than those loud voices we were talking about earlier, the polarizing extreme points of view. Um, and if you are part of a vulnerable community, and share something that you later regret. Um, uh, that's something that we're very concerned about. We, uh, we want to make sure that the hosts of the conversations understand um, that everything that is being recorded could be shared. Um, we're also putting in mechanisms, we've already done this, so that if the morning after 
participating in an LVN conversation, you wake up and realize, wait a minute, there's something I said I don't want ever to be out in public. Uh, all you have to do is let us know, and we will redact the, the original audio and the, any transcriptions of okay. what you said. And, sure. And uh, so we provided that, you know, as a uh, kind of stopgap or a kind of safety uh, measure. Okay. Um, a couple of people have exercised that. It tends to be, oh, I said someone's name, and I don't think they would want that yes. in the recording, and so we've redacted. Um, but beyond privacy, it's also just a question of um, ownership and control of the data and how the data could be used, the conversation recordings. Um, so we have um, public, made it publicly clear we will never monetize or in any way um, try to uh, ger uh, generate income or revenue based on the data. Um, so that is a, a pledge we've made. Um, and uh, we are working through and evolving the model of control and visibility. Who should have access to the full conversations? Um, who should be um, in a position to allow a local media partner to have access? And by the way, we haven't talked about this yet, but yes. the, the sort of second function of the technology is to create a, a kind of aggregated listening channel for a community. So for journalists or politicians or... So they can tune in to the conversations that are happening in LVN. Um, and inform their reporting, uh, inform their policy making, and we hope move towards a more responsive forms of journalism or responsive forms of public policy making. And they can tune into specific topics. They can. So, um, what the technology enables beyond capturing the raw recordings uh, is through a combination of both um, automated AI capabilities and uh, human involvement. We transcribe the speech recordings, so we have the full text. Uh, we do something called diarization, which means we uh, assign each part of the transcript to who said it. So we have kind of like a script of a play now. We, we know who said what. Um, we then semantically index um, the content, so we uh, create a topic index. So any part of any conversation that is about, say, education, or public transport, racial disparities, gets automatically uh, identified and, and lifted out by and topic. Categorized under that, and categorized under that topic. That's right. Okay. Um, by the way, um, that raises a question, where do the topics come from? And the answer there is, again, a, a collaboration between machine learning kind of AI techniques. On one hand, to look for what the patterns are in the data. Uh, and there's a human element, a human judgment of saying, oh, that is a meaningful topic. Yes. Let's give it a name. Let's build a, a model of how people talk about that topic, and then let's apply the model to find all instances of it throughout the data. Yes. Right. And so, um, so we have uh, all of these layers of processing. What that creates is an organized, indexed collection of conversations, and that becomes a very uh, um, rich resource if you are now a local journalist. And, mm -hmm. and it seems to me, t tell me whether I'm right or wrong on this, that this really allows the local participants, the local conversants, I'm not sure what the term is. Participants. Yeah. Participants to set the agenda because what they talk about is yes. what gets picked up. That's right. Yeah. And it really goes back to the conversation format uh, that we've already talked about and the role of the host. Um, this is not an interview. Uh, this is not a focus group. 
um, where the conversation is directed by the interviewer or by the uh, focus group uh, coordinator or whatever you'd call that person. Um, instead, the role of the LVN host is to hold space, to create a space where the participants can really drive the agenda. So what, it, what are you hopeful for? What are you concerned about? Well, whatever is on my mind, I can bring to the table. And in the process, I've set the agenda for the conversation. And as you look across many conversations, the emergent patterns are absolutely, it's a grassroots, bottom-up process of identifying um, uh, topics of concern, topics of interest uh, in the community. Okay, let's come back to yet another topic that uh, our listeners here at uh, the Belmont Media Center will have an interest in because the Local Voices Network, and people should get used to that name, the Local Voices Network is coming to Belmont. It that, is. Is that correct? Yes, it is. you're absolutely right. Um, we're, we're really excited to um, uh, be bringing Local Voices Network to Belmont and to other uh, parts of the greater Boston area. Um, so we are we, we're, uh, building up our team here. Um, we are currently trying to hire a community builder, someone who will um, be committed full-time to sort of activating um, communities around, uh, including in Belmont, uh, to participate. Uh, we're interested in, um, uh, you know, and the whole model that we've been talking about now, you might summarize as community-powered understanding. This is not our team going in and hosting these conversations. It's certainly not our team setting the agenda. Our team is creating this communication platform, both the technology and the process that we've been discussing. And we um, invite uh, members of the community to step up and, um, and really uh, uh, play leadership roles in hosting conversations, yes. in helping get the word out, in helping uh, recruit um, and uh, bring together groups. Um, we're looking to local institutions, uh, such as the Belmont Public Library, uh, to um, create a home for the hearth. So, uh, uh, in fact, the, the model that we found so far is effective, both in Madison and the Bronx, is that we've, pa we've partnered with the public library so that the hearth and the hearth controller, there's a nice little kit, it's portable, as you can see there's no wires, um, uh, lives in the circulation system along with books and other things in the public library so that if you'd like to host a conversation you can just go to the library and check out the hearth. And let's listen in for a minute about uh, how the, uh, the progress in Belmont is, uh, is going. We have had an initial uh, introductory event, an initial orientation at the Jamaica Plain Library, and um, we are currently in the process of starting some conversations uh, to offer potential hosts an opportunity to experience those, as well as trainings for our hosts and facilitation. Um, so over the summer, we're hoping to offer enough opportunities to be able to launch in several communities. We're also in the process of just seeking out those organizations that might benefit from this technology and um, opening a conversation about ways that we might partner together to expand the network. People can get involved in LVN at this point in the Boston area um, by going to lvn.org and clicking on Boston. You'll see there the, 
upcoming conversation events and orientations that are being offered or just get in touch with us directly. We're really looking forward to knowing we're still at the stage of mapping and looking for partners in the community, places where conversations are already happening that might benefit from the LVN uh, style of conversation as well as the technology for helping groups and organizations and communities understand each other better. The steps for getting involved in our conversation core, which we're calling the body of volunteers that will fuel the Local Voices Network, are to first be part of a local conversation um, and then uh, come to an orientation which is an opportunity to learn more about the whole project and to um, learn about the different potential roles. Um, from there, you can think about what your own comfort level is with either um, being a facilitator. Uh, you might have previous formal or informal facilitation experience and really feel naturally gravitating toward that role, which we call the host. Um, you might uh, be drawn to recruiting and feel so energized about this project that you want to bring all of your friends and neighbors into conversations. Um, or you might uh, be someone who really appreciates listening deeply to other people's conversations and helping us with the curation role of highlighting those conversations. Um, an additional role is also just being the helper with the gathering, um, making sure that the space is hospitable and people feel well cared for, helping with snacks, etc., um, to um, create the right environment for a conversation to flourish. So once folks are have been through a training and are ready to host a conversation, um, they can check out a hearth from their local library and um, gather a group of people or go to where a group of people have, has been gathered and host a conversation. The conversation um, at the end is uploaded automatically um, to the database of all of the conversations that have happened and then will be available for the host to look at and then available to all of the participants to hear and um, and look at. Um, and so that's one pathway for folks who are trained Conversation Core members to check out a hearth from a library or another organization in your community. Um, for community partners, uh, we're also looking at the option of uh, either being able to check out a hearth or if you're a community organization that has ongoing conversations and you're interested in hosting your own hearth, uh, being a hub, what we call it, uh, for a hearth. Um, there's an opportunity to think about ways that you might um, use the hearth, uh, the, the, especially the recording technology and the ability to analyze what's happening across conversations and cross-pollinate across conversations to advance your own community goals or organizational um, needs around um, examining a community issue, getting multiple perspectives on an issue that you eventually want to make a decision about, or just getting into deeper conversations about some of the folks that some of the issues that a community might be most um, at loose ends about. LVN is, um, has a, an aggressive growth plan, I would say. Um, so we started in Madison and have really seen it take off and like the legs for um, growth into other chapters. So a couple of these include Boston. So as we've talked about, um, New York. So we started in the Bronx um, a while ago, actually, with different variations of the project through um, what we called the listening box at the time, where we set up in a public library, a space where people could come have one-on-one -on -one conversations. And um, our model has evolved to be more of a group 
group conversation and also the technology, of course, has also gotten more sophisticated. Um, but the, so we started in the Bronx, but are now sort of expanding quickly to other boroughs in New York and working really closely with the New York Public Library to figure out which branches are sort of the roots of the community um, that we're starting with. So that's happening in New York. Um, in Alabama, we're partnering with AL.com, which is a, a large media organization um, in Birmingham. Um, actually, they're all over Alabama, but we're working specifically in Birmingham and are um, working to sort of develop the initial outreach and partners and staff that would be able to help us get off the ground there. Um, and I guess I would also say that we have ambitions to sort of be all around the country. Um, you know, I think the exact timeline is TBD, but the uh, you know, hope is that ultimately this can be sort of like a national network of a way for humans in America to be able to understand what is happening in different parts of the country at a super local level. Um, and I think we're having lots of conversations with different uh, areas to try to see what that looks like. As we come back, you talked about Madison, but there must be a need for a diversity in the conversations Mm -hmm. uh, and diversity, uh, people I think often hear diversity and think uh, racial or ethnic diversity, mm -hmm. but a diversity, socioeconomic, uh, political, H how do you do that? Yeah, that's, that's uh, in fact maybe the key question and the key challenge uh, that as we address we think will really open up LVN as a um, to, to um, pursue its, its mission, which is to foster constructive public conversation across differences, right, to build this sort of uh, understanding of one another. Um, in, uh, depending on where, which locale you, uh, you consider, there's different groups that would, we'd consider the underherd. Uh, okay. And um, uh, so in Madison, Certainly, some of the, uh, um, the the black and the Latinx communities tend to be underheard, but also uh, this is a very liberal, um, progressive town. Um, if you're the one in five who are on the conservative side of the political um, balance, uh, you tend to be the underheard. If you live in yes. Madison, yes, drive fifty or hundred miles out of Madison uh, into rural parts. Uh, in smaller towns in Wisconsin, and that flips. In fact, one of the most divided, politically divided states, when you look at the, within the state of Wisconsin, uh, there's huge uh, 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 barriers of understanding and communication between rural and, and urban um, Wisconsin. So whether it's within Madison, how do we reach those diverse communities? Um, they are often, that's where most of our effort is now going in, um, in building relationships with community organizations and members of communities. Um, likewise in Boston that um, we're very interested in reaching different communities. Um, and absolutely race or ethnic um, uh, sort of um, uh, dimension is critical, socioeconomic is critical, um, and uh, the political, political spectrum. Yes. Yeah, and it really is, we're really trying to create a platform that cr has the ability to create those cross-cutting conversations. That's great. Well, the, the Local Voices Network, uh, we've been speaking with Deb Roy today, and the Local Voices Network is designed, if I can try to sum it up in a uh, you'll see if I heard what you were trying to say, but uh, a facilitated public community conversation to uh, uh, 
uh, have these conversations based on lived experiences and to allow folks like the uh, uh, journalists and our politicians to be able to listen to people's lived experiences. And Local Voices Network is coming to Belmont. We've been speaking with Deb Roy. You've been watching a special edition of the Belmont Journal. I'm your host, Roger Colton. I will talk to you again next time.